1: Good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy day after election day. And uh, if you stayed up late last night, you didn't have to stay up too late. We had the results for you pretty early. And uh, I think that we have shown the world that New Bedford comes out in droves to vote. We doubled the voter turnout from the last election. We doubled the amount of people that came out for the preliminary election. We went from 6% to 12%. Well, 13%. So, I guess, yay, New Bedford. But that's still a very low number. Uh, in Fall River, they had just under 20% voter turnout with a much more contested, I guess, you know, on paper going into it. It didn't really play out that way in the final numbers. Well, it kind of did. It, was, it, it, it wasn't a landslide for, for Paul Coogan like it was the first time that he won in 2019, but it was certainly more of a turnout in Fall River because they had more of a contested mayoral race. Again, nothing against Tyson Moultrie, but I think you know when you have a former mayor going up against the current mayor and someone who is also the district attorney and has that kind of name recognition, it's going to draw more people in, but... I mean, kudos to Tyson Moultrie. He had a better showing this time around than he had in the last election four years ago. He the, In the last election, Mayor Mitchell won with 72% of the vote. This time, he won with 66% of the vote. So uh, Tyson Moultrie was able to close that gap a little bit. And I think that uh, you will see him stick around. He seems like he's somebody that wants to be involved in politics. Who knows, though, life can throw curveballs, but, uh, you know, he can build that name recognition. And maybe, maybe he does pursue serving on the city council or in other ways, as he has looked into in the past. Uh, In the at-large race, I don't think anybody is surprised that all the incumbents won. But I think some folks were thinking that this was the year that there could be some change. And people will look at this, and they'll look at the close vote totals, by the way. When you look at the fact that uh, Scott Lima, who was running for an at-large position, was only 200-and-something votes away from Naomi Carney, who was the fifth place. fifth. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that, because her and Linda Morad tied. The city council president, one of the, the second-longest-serving councilors, And Naomi Carney, the third longest serving counselor, the two of them tied for essentially fourth place. So Scott Lima was only 200 and something votes away from the two of them. So people will look at that and say, how much does having the incumbents at the top of the ballot affect the way that people vote? Did people just, is it possible that 200 people that voted yesterday just went in there and picked the first five names on the ballot for the at-large position? That's that's the argument that some of the challengers could make. Certainly Scott Lima, and he could make that. Devin Burns was next. He was about 600 votes or so behind Scott Lima. I'm just doing quick math in my head. So it's a little harder to make that argument. But I know from reading some of the coverage, you know, Devin was very happy with his performance the first time out here. But it was a sweep for the incumbents in the at-large race. In Ward 1, Leo Chiquette was able to upend Brad Markey. It was a very close election last time. Last time it was 44 votes, I believe, was the difference. This time it was 114. But now Leo Chiquette will be your Ward 1 counselor. And in Ward 5, Joe Lopes was able to capture just about 61% of the vote. To Zach Boyer's 39.3% of the vote. Which is still, it's a pretty good showing for a guy who it's only a second time running. And he took what might be an unpopular stance, especially when it came to to the sober house idea. But still got 40% of the voters in the ward to vote for him. And it's interesting because as we're looking at who people voted for. I think looking at this, if I'm going to be looking at this objectively, and you can call in and give me your thoughts at 508-996-0500. Ian Abra, once again, the top vote getter. With. Do the quick math here. Over just about 900 votes over the next closest. Person who the second highest vote getter, just as in the preliminary election, was Shane Burgo. We looked at that and we said, well, is this an anomaly of a 6% turnout in a preliminary election? Because you would have thought that Shane Burgo had an unpopular stance with the idea of having rent stabilization. But I think this shows that the voters support his more progressive thinking because he was the number two vote getter. Then Brian Gomes, who had about a 400-vote lead over the 4th and 5th-place finishers, Linda Morad and Naomi Carney, who, again, tied. So really, they were both 4th-place finishers. One gets 5th place by default. So I'm looking at that and thinking, if I'm just taking a cursory look at this and thinking in my head what the analysts and the pundits will say, you know, Catherine will look at this and say, Catherine Adamowitz will look at this and say, Morad and Carney's work on those pay reclassifications, salary reclassifications, is showing up here in the vote. Others, maybe a Jack Spillane type, not to put words in his mouth, might look at this and say, well, it looks like they're choosing the candidates that seem to be less of the drama. You know, if you remember, I mean, I think most people know that the... The relationship between Mayor Mitchell and Council President Morad is, has been a work in progress. But I think people also remember that Councilor Carney, as the chair of the Appointments and Briefings Committee, sat on a Votech School Board nomination. As she explained to us, there was a lot of business that they had to get to. But I think people look at it from that perspective, and I wonder if that played a part. Or is it just a matter of somebody's got to finish fourth and somebody's got to finish fifth? It could just be that, too. There might not be anything deeper into it to read than that. But I think it was a fascinating election for not much change happening. To look at how that lack of change happened. and it's it's pretty good when you take a look at the incumbents who ran unopposed and see that for the most part i mean this is 100% of all the votes were for them and i i don't i don't know that i believe that these must be 100% of the the ballots that were filled out because there there must have been somebody who didn't fill out for their ward council or wrote in another name with these unopposed candidates. I just can't imagine that there was that there wasn't. But you've got strong shows of support for those incumbents. Nobody stepped up to challenge them. Seems like the voters are pretty happy with what they're getting there. So this is a reflection of the voice of the again thirteen percent people, thirteen percent of registered voters that, that that voted, and I don't know what else could have been done to get those numbers up outside of, you know, if if Scott Lang had ran against John Mitchell, that probably would have increased. The voter turnout, would it have gotten to 20% like in Fall River? I think so. I think so. I think maybe even higher than that. And I think that that's the, the, the we know that that's the big draw. We know that in 2021, without a mayoral race on the ticket, there was very low voter turnout. This is the second lowest turnout per Arthur Hirsch's reporting in in New Bedford Light since 1979 for a general election, guess what was the lowest? So it seems like there's, you know, if, if we are serious about needing to get more people to come out and vote in New Bedford, we need to get serious about having more people step up and be willing to serve. And maybe the next mayoral election in four years will be a different landscape. Maybe Mayor Mitchell will feel like he has done all that he can do at that point or will be seeking a new challenge or life circumstances will mean that he can't dedicate as much time to running the city. And he decides not to run for re-election and then you have a Wide open race where a lot of people would be willing to throw their hats into, I would assume, or maybe, maybe people look at it and say, okay, at that point, he's had two four-year terms on top of the four two-year terms that he served, 16 years of one mayor. He would still be a ways away from toppling Mayor Ashley for longest serving mayor, certainly longest consecutive serving mayor. He's already got that. But I don't think that that's something that John Mitchell's chasing. I think he's making this decision. You know, this isn't Bill Belichick trying to topple uh, Don Shula here. Which even though he tells you he doesn't care about, he he cares about. So maybe you have a wide open race in four years, that draws more people out as candidates and then draws more people out to vote. But I don't know what else could be done. I think, you know, if you've, certainly they had a great story about it. Colin Hogan, I think, wrote it in New Bedford Light. Uh, but there was a great story about the work that, that Manny Brito has done to get out to the younger people and get them ready. But you're still a ways away from some of them voting. Some will vote in the next mayoral election, but you're far away from having all of them, you know, that's a that's a ten year plan to have them be more civically engaged. But I'll tell you, when I was a kid, there was concerted efforts to teach us about voting at a young age, and it stuck with me. When I was in fifth grade Michael Dukakis was running against George Bush for the presidency. So obviously that's going to have a lot of, uh, you know, kids don't know anything. Fifth graders don't know the difference between a Democrat or a Republican. They don't have any political ideology yet. We just looked at it as, wow, our Massachusetts governor is running for president. And I had been fortunate enough to meet the governor once. I won a poster contest. So I'm like, oh, I could know the I could have met the person who became president. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, That was like the extent of our decision-making in the process, but we held a mock election, and it made an impact. I thought that that was a very cool thing to do, a very special thing to be able to do, and I couldn't wait to do it when I turned 18. And it just so happened I turned 18 in a presidential election year. So I did jump right in. I did jump right in with the primaries and I voted in a local election. But then I made sure I voted in every election I could after that. Because I was exposed to it at a young age and taught about it. And I think that that's going to make a big difference going forward. But for now, you've got a few years before those kids will be old enough to vote and be civically engaged. So what else can be done in the meantime? What What else can be done to get 13% to go to 20%? I don't know. As I say all the time, I think we here are talking to the politically minded, to the civically minded, to the people who do pay attention and go out and vote. You know, our go vote campaign was focused on not just telling you to go vote, but to get you to get others to go and vote. Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take not forcing people to vote, but, you know, gently reminding them offering them a ride taking them out to lunch afterwards don't bribe somebody to vote for a certain candidate but certainly certainly bribe them to get involved in the process hey i'm going down to vote you want to come with me i'll buy you lunch afterwards i think i think that's legal <laughs> just don't tell them who to vote for but i think that that's what it's going to take it's going to take more of the people who, you know, there's only so much the administration can do, the election office can do, those already elected can do. And I think everybody gave it a full, solid effort. So I think now it's going to be on the voters to try to encourage other residents to vote. And let's face it. I know it was great having every candidate come on the radio and talk about how important it was to go vote. I know it was great hearing from former Mayor Lang and all the other business owners in the community and and important people in the community like former Sheriff Hodgson, all these people who came on the radio and told you to go vote. But really, the people in your life that don't do it, who are they going to listen to? Are they going to listen to Mayor Mitchell or Mayor Lang or Sheriff Hodgson or... Or anybody here on WBSM, are they going to listen to them tell them to go out and vote? Or are they going to listen to when you tell them, hey, you know, you really should go vote. And if you're not sure who to vote for, you know, listen to WBSM. They've got all the information. You can listen to these podcasts with all the candidates. But they're going to look to you to be the person that sets that tone. That's got to be the next step here. Is those who do vote encouraging those who don't to take part in the process? Because I can tell you all you want. It's easy to do, it's painless, it's quick, it's uh, but then you're not gonna have the same it's not gonna have the same impact as if you were telling them. 508 996 500 caller, hang on, I gotta take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. We're gonna be going into the newsroom in just a moment. But uh, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a chilly morning this morning. It's, uh, it's not too bad, but it's going to be a day where it doesn't really get above 50 degrees. And you might start to feel some drafts around your home. You might start to feel some, some leaks and some, uh, some cold air kind of blasting its way in. And you're thinking to yourself, well, gee... Is it my windows? Is it my doors? And you know already to call Precision Window and Kitchen if that's the case, right? You know that they'll come out and they'll replace your windows, they'll replace your entryway doors, whatever it takes to make sure that your home is protected and nice and warm this winter. But also what you might not be thinking about and you might not be aware of is that Precision also does roofs. So if you have a leak, if you have loose shingles, if your roof is more than 20 years old, if you have any kind of weather-related damage, Call the professionals at Precision Window and Kitchen, and they can help you with a new roof. You don't want to take the chance that it'll make it through another season if you're already already worried about it. This year is supposed to be, at least according to the Farmer's Almanac, a snowy winter, and you don't want to have all that snow piling up on a roof that already has you concerned. Take care of it now. Take care of it right. Call Precision Window and Kitchen. They will come down. They'll take a look. They'll give you an estimate about what you can expect to pay and when you can expect to have it done. And you know what? Jobs get done so quickly with Precision because they have all the materials right there on hand that they need. You don't have to wait for them to order anything or get it from somewhere else. They keep it all in stock to make sure the job gets done quickly to make sure it gets done effectively, to make sure it gets done with precision. So you can stop by Precision Window and Kitchen, 1111 Oquestion Avenue in New Bedford, and talk to them there, or you can go online at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. Let's go now into the newsroom with Ariel Dorsey, and then more of your calls on the other side,
2: 508-996-0500. House Republicans are showing their support for Israel at an event on Capitol Hill. House Speaker Mike Johnson on Tuesday introduced Israeli families who have loved ones being held hostage by Hamas in Gaza. They shared harrowing stories and shared whatever updates they are able to get. Florida Congressman Corey Mills said the Biden administration is not doing nearly enough to get captured Americans out of Gaza. Top G7 diplomats want to see what they're calling humanitarian pauses in Israel's bombardment of Gaza so aid can be delivered to desperate civilians in the Palestinian enclave. The foreign ministers, including Secretary of State Antony Blinken, announced a unified stance on the Israel-Hamas war after meeting in Tokyo. The diplomats released a statement today condemning Hamas and supporting Israel's right to defend itself, but also calling for humanitarian pauses on Israel's shelling of Gaza. Former President Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka, is expected to testify today in New York's civil fraud suit against the family's business. She'll follow her brothers, Donald Jr. and Eric, who testified last week, and the former president who testified on Monday. New York Attorney General Letitia James is suing the three men and the Trump Organization, alleging that Donald Trump fraudulently inflated his net worth to get favorable loans from banks. The Supreme Court is deciding whether people who are the subjects of protective orders should be allowed to keep their guns. The case before the court involves a Texas man who assaulted his ex-girlfriend and threatened to shoot her if she told anyone. A Florida federal judge will hold a hearing this afternoon to decide whether to allow a defamation suit against Meghan Markle by her half-sister to go forward. Samantha Markle claims the Duchess of Sussex defamed her by telling Oprah Winfrey she grew up as an only child. Americans owe over a trillion dollars on their credit cards. That's according to a new report on household debt from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. It found that credit card balances spiked by over $150 billion year over year. It's the largest increase this century. Credit card delinquency rates also went up, especially among millennials. And Sony will remove support for the social media platform X from its PlayStation video game consoles. The company said users will no longer be able to view or post content on X from PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 consoles starting November 13th. Sony did not provide a reason for the change, but X announced earlier this year it would start to charge companies as much as $210,000 a month to access its application programming interface. In sports, after suffering their first loss of the season on Monday, the Celtics will close out their three-game road trip when they visit the Philadelphia 76ers tonight at Wells Fargo Center. Tonight's battle is the first of four meetings between the Celtics and Sixers during the regular season. The Pats announced Tuesday that they have re-signed wide receiver T.J. Luther to the practice squad. Luther was originally signed to the practice squad on September 1st and released on October 18th. The 23-year-old was originally signed by the New York Jets as a rookie free agent in May out of Gardner-Webb. New England remains last in the AFC East and will take on the Indianapolis Colts Sunday morning in Frankfurt, Germany. And the Bruins are home before hitting the road once again when they play host to the New York Islanders tomorrow night at TD Garden. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6.
3: Good to be with you, everybody, on this Tuesday morning dealing with rain out there. Take it easy on the roads, especially this is all courtesy of a warm front temperatures already this morning in the mid to lower 50s gradual clearing this afternoon with mild temperatures in the upper 60s with breezy conditions overnight. The cold front will push through and it will provide cooler temperatures, drier air as we head into tomorrow with mostly sunny skies and quite a drop in temperatures. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast from the
2: ABC6 Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app.
1: Welcome back in. So the Patriots will be playing this Sunday in Germany. They're going to be facing the Indianapolis Colts in Germany Sunday. Kickoff on WBSM is at 9.30 a.m. That means pregame on WBSM is at 6.30. So you got to get up early to hear the game here on WBSM, or if you're already up early, you can just turn on the radio and listen to the game. So kickoff at 9.30, pregame at 6.30. The New England Patriots on WBSM are brought to you by Shooting Supply, Primacare, and d and Enterprises. And I'm hoping TJ Luther can find his way onto the main roster and make some plays for the Patriots only so that I can yell, attaboy, Luther, because... Who doesn't love a good ghost and mr chicken reference in the middle of your nFL football sunday five oh eight nine nine six zero five hundred good morning you're next on w b s m hey Tim how's it going not bad not
4: bad hey just a heads up that uh that weather forecast was off that's yesterday's
1: oh i didn't i wasn't paying attention I'll let Ariel know <laughs> sometimes uh yeah, when I said that. yeah she's nodding her head in agreement yeah some sometimes if uh yeah. its it's all it's all just a shell game of how we rename the uh the files and if you don't change it enough <laughs> you're playing the one from the day before yeah.
4: I was listening to it I was like uh, no, it's not gonna be in the mid sixties unfortunately
1: <laughs> i mean uh, m- but, maybe if we all get outside and you know run around a little bit we can we can warm it up right global right. warming
4: um <laughs> so I know a lot of people are going to be they're going to be complaining about the turnout for the uh, Beffin elections yesterday. Um, I don't know what to do to, to try and get people to vote. I, people are just so apathetic. You know, we, we can just name John Mitchell mayor for life, and we'll be we'll be good. I mean, it, it really doesn't matter. It seems like the only people that go vote are the ones that listen to WBSM. That's literally the only people that show up.
1: And I, I think part of that is you know you don't have uh, you don't have a, a strong challenger. I think if you had if you had Scott Lang in the race or you know somebody of that ilk, or if maybe even one of the counselors had decided to run, you would have had more of a, a stronger race there, and you would have you would have gotten more people out. But would you have gotten more than the twenty percent that Fall River got? Probably not. No, I, no, absolutely not. I I
4: don't know. I don't know what to do. Like it just. It's so, it's, it's a, for somebody who, who pays attention to politics like you, like a lot of people that listen to, to BSM. It's just, it's, it's so apathetic. And then you hear consistently the people that complain, right? They complain about their taxes. They complain about regulations. They complain about all, all the types of, of things that we all get aggravated with. But yet, nobody turns out to vote. Because they're told it doesn't make a difference, you know. I, I feel bad for the advertisers on on BSN that took time to, to go out and tell people to, to vote. Which took you know, commercial time. Paid for commercial time to only have thirteen percent turnout.
1: Oh, I, I don't I know because it, uh, I, I fear if we didn't do that, what would <laughs> what would the number have been? You know, if not for that effort, right?
4: That that could have been that could have been even worse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think if they they pulled their money together and did what I did said yesterday and just said, you know what. $3,000 raffle if we get over 20% and we'll be good to go. Uh, I think we'd get higher voter turnout and, and they get more bang for their buck when they, uh, they advertise with you guys.
1: I, I think what will have to happen, and I was saying this before, is it's going to take, you know, I, I think everybody in office or everybody that's in the business community or whoever have done what they can. I think it's going to take the people who do vote kind of dragging the people that don't vote to the polls with them. Yeah,
4: uh, you know, I, uh, Americans are, are really uh, drawn to the polls when there's, a, when there's when there's an issue on. on it. They don't vote for people.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Americans do not vote for people; they vote for issues.
1: Well, I mean, look at yesterday—the abortion think- issue dro- drove people out in, in big turnouts.
4: Right, and, and it happens every year. Every year, there's like a, a an issue vote. Voter turnout, you know, increases dramatically. We had it in Massachusetts with, uh, you know, legalization of marijuana. We have it, you know, in in all these other areas right now with abortion. You're going to have it with gay marriage. You're going to have it. It's an issue-related elections are really the ones that drive out. So we need to find almost an issue even on on the, the city ballot. Just create an issue, create a question, even if it's non-binding. Look in Dartmouth. Dartmouth had a non-binding uh, issue in regards to the Indian logo, and that exploded voter turnout. It's non-binding. We don't even have to do what the voters asked to do, but yet voters still turned out because they, they feel that's more important than the people they put in office.
1: Well, I mean, some of, the, some of the counselors I, I, tried I that.
4: Think that's a dis- I think I think that's a discredit to the to the quality of politicians that we have running. People don't feel inspired to one, they don't feel inspired to run, but they don't feel inspired to vote and support these guys.
1: They right, don't see enough of a difference from one candidate to the other. So, but some of these councillors right, did try to put questions the on the ballot. Th- those questions would have drawn people out.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, on the abortion thing going across this country, it's it's a it's a it's a dead cat leave it alone leave it alone like the the republican party needs to needs to detach itself from the religious right leave it alone they they lost with gay marriage they're going to lose with abortion every single time leave people's autonomy alone All right. and and unfortunately you know let people live the way they it, it, and I've told Barry this Barry don't listen he just likes to talk, hear himself talk. That's why he's a talk radio. Host. He doesn't like to listen to other people. Well, that's that's um, that's uh, part re- of it.
1: That's that's our business. You know, we we we've got to talk and listen. But
4: no, 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 I get it. I get it. I just get aggravated with him when he talks over, you know, the callers. But anyway, uh, I I told Barry this right. Um, when it comes to abortion, it's a privacy issue. It's between you and your doctor. It's not a, even about terminating a pregnancy in reality it's about what goes on between you and your doctor people who call it murder make exceptions for murder when it comes to you know rape or incest how can you make exceptions for murder it doesn't make sense that's not a good argument abortion isn't murder because if it was you wouldn't make an exception for the murder
1: well, I mean, period. End of story. They make exception for murder for capital punishment, so there's there's a lot all of right, exemptions that, across that's... the board. I got to just hold you there, no, just because my phone lines lit up, and I got to take a break. So I appreciate the call. No problem. Thank you. you and and uh, and we could have gone on all day, but I want to make sure I can get some other folks in, and I'm keeping an eye on the clock. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, good morning, Tim.
3: How are you? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, um, uh, uh, my first question is, um, I've been listening to you. Um, do they not count or um, list or mention um, any write-in names on the ballot? Like, for example, for the mayor, is that not listed or mentioned? Do they not count or say anything about that? So I'm
1: trying to see, because uh, uh, Adam texted me the actual sheet that, that Manny Brito mm-hmm. handed out. So in the mayoral race, there were 260 write-in votes. Um, it does, According to the, this paper that was put out, there were no. It doesn't look like there were any blank ballots. So, okay, so
3: they don't mention who the write-in um,
1: name. It doesn't on this. No,
3: it doesn't. And why
1: not? Um, I don't know why they don't put that in, in information. And in. no, I mean that that can all be available when the when the full election results come out.
3: Oh, okay. but this is so, just the
1: this is just a quick sheet they hand everybody so they okay, can but, get the information. But,
3: all right, but legally, they're supposed to are they supposed to um, list that? Uh, I don't know that they have to
1: like post it anywhere, <laughs> but I think if you request it, they give it to you.
3: All right, well, I, I you know I think that that's um, kind of crappy and shady because you know uh, that would you know again that would be a little flag to you know have a topic discussion that people. Even if it was two hundred or three hundred, that somebody maybe a particular person's name was written in on the ballot. Um, so I don't know, well, you know. So it's not. So again, it's not mentioned. You know, the public doesn't know.
1: Well, there's a couple of reasons why I think that might be. One is, you know, you can just go write anybody's name in, and it doesn't mean that they wanted their name out there. So you're like, you I could write it. my name and my address, and oh, I'm like, wait, yeah, I don't, I don't know, want people knowing know my address. You know,
3: okay, I get that, but. If you're voting and that's a voting ballot, don't you think it should be listed regardless? Um, I mean, it's already – then it becomes public information. Um, The other thing is, um, you know, as far as – I had called the radio station because, you know, everybody was saying it was going to be – hopefully they were hoping it was 20%. In my mind, I mean, if you doubled what went out, the percentage that went out to vote in October – it was like a, between six and seven percent. So if you double that, you're only looking at 12, 13 percent. There was no way that there was going to be more than double the amount of people that uh, were going to vote if you already had what you had in October. And you're right. I mean, if there were ballot questions, um, probably like a question about the nip bottles on um, parallel products, which did make a big impact, I believe, in Ward one. I think you would have um, had a major interest in probably we would have got the 20% to go out and vote. And my other uh, third comment is, um, I don't know how, I, I don't know if that's normal um, on a ballot. Um, you had also mentioned about the five incumbents being listed right at the top of the ballot on the councilor at large. Um, I think in my opinion, um, that makes a big difference. I think, I, again, alphabet, I don't know if it works that way because of alphabetically the names, it's a coincidence, or if that's just the way it's listed because they're the five incumbents coming back, you know, on the ballot. But I think if, you know, it was all out of order alphabetically um, by name, maybe that would change something because, to be honest with you, um, yeah, they, you know Linda Morad and, and Naomi Carmi were, you know, at the bottom, and it did make, you know, there was quite a shift change there. But, um, you know, I don't know. It, it I, I guess the other newcomers really, want it too really need to get out and do more work. Hopefully, maybe next election, um, they can move up and maybe, you know, move in as a counselor at large. But it's it's a little disappointing to the voters. Uh, because it's always the same old, same old. Thing. Well, that's it. I mean,
1: that's certainly a question worth asking. If there's going to be a charter review and they're going to look at that, you know, it's also worth taking a look at the way that the ballots are, are laid out and uh, and see if there can be, you know, differences in that. But the, the the issue here, I think more than anything, and by the way, I got a, a text message from, from Jack Spillane who said that there were 493 blank ballots in the mayoral race. So mm-hmm. you, you had to ask Manny for a separate printout of the machine's program. So, yeah. so there, so there I were mean, some blanks.
3: Yeah, I, I am yeah, pretty sure I know who you know whose name was there, um, because it was mentioned over and over. Sure,
1: you probably saw some Scott Langs. You probably saw some Ian Abrews because there were people right. that were trying to have yeah. that you know write-in right. campaign for Ian. Right. So
3: right, right.
1: There's probably a few you know Mickey Mouse type answers.
3: Right, right. So, but, it, but for me, it would be interesting, like just to see out of curiosity. Like you said, you know, Ian Scott, Link, you know, Mickey Mouse, whose name, you know, if one person, more than one person who was listed there. Um, but anyway, you have a good day. Okay? You
1: as well. Take care. Okay. The, the only problem is um, Mickey Mouse's legal address is in Orlando, so he can't he couldn't be eligible to serve. So you don't want to vote for him. But, you know, you can vote for a, another viable candidate that's not on the ballot. Just I would always recommend, you know, don't don't write in anybody that doesn't want the job. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, you're not seeing their names come out because they didn't consent to have their, their information released. So maybe, you know, if you, if you call the election office, they'll tell you, but I think that that's probably why they just don't put it out there. Plus, you know, I I mean, out of that 260 votes, I'm going to assume a majority of those were Scott Lang or Ian Abreu written in. Uh, 508-996-0500. I've got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Say, what are you doing on Saturday? WBSM is teaming up with the United Way of Greater New Bedford to help needy families this Thanksgiving with our annual Hunger Heroes Food Drop. You can join us this coming Saturday, November 11th from 10 a.m. to noon outside of Aldi at the Dartmouth Mall. As the WBSM team, folks from Fun 107 and folks from the United Way will be collecting Thanksgiving food items. You don't even need to get out of your car. You just pull up and volunteers will take the items from you and you can be on your way. And if you don't have anything to donate already, Aldi will have all the items we're looking for right by the register so you can grab them and drop them off. And if you can't even make it on Saturday, you can donate by visiting the Hunger Heroes page on Amazon. We're looking for canned vegetables, cornbread mix, cranberry sauce, gravy, instant mashed potatoes, and stuffing mix. Then the United Way will package it all up into holiday food baskets to benefit needy families on the South Coast and give them a meal to really be thankful for. So come on by and donate this Saturday, November 11th from 10 to noon in the parking lot of Aldi at the Dartmouth Mall for our Hunger Heroes food drop and thanks to our sponsor, First Citizens Federal Credit Union. Going to take one fa- final break in the hour and be right back. All right, well, caller, hang on. We'll get to you when we come back after the news. I don't want to only give you 40 seconds or actually 30 seconds and only have that to make your point. So hang on. We will get to you when we come back from the news and room for you at 508 996 0500 we will also have uh, app chats open for you to be able to send in your app chat messages as well and uh, thanks for thank, thanks to brock for backing me up on uh, what i mentioned before that
0: when you get the official for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so
1: you can quickly and easily find what you need plus